Welcome to Early Homecoming, a podcast for missionaries who have returned home early and for those who care about them. My name is Kristen Reber, and I am the author of Early Homecoming, a resource for early returned missionaries, their church leaders, and family. On this podcast, you will hear stories and gain insights from myself and other missionaries who returned home early, as well as experts, parents, and church leaders. Join us on the path of understanding and healing as we share our stories and insights about the phenomena of returning home early from a mission. Hello, welcome to another episode of Early Homecoming. Real quick, before I get started, I just want to give another shout out to my editor, Brandon Kellogg. If you have any audio or video editing needs, please don't hesitate to reach out to him. His email address is in the notes of this episode. All right, I want to move on now to our next guest. Her name is Haley. Haley grew up in the Bay Area and has always had a passion for camping and hiking, especially in the Northern California Redwoods. She served in the Tacoma, Washington mission for exactly one week in March of 2020 before getting sick and returning home. She is now about to graduate from BYU-Idaho with a degree in communications and hopes to go into human resources. So welcome, Haley, to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have Haley because, as you guys know, I took a break for a while, and Haley thankfully applied to be on the show again. She had applied before, and then when I saw her application come again, I was like, I recognize that name, and so I thank you, Haley, for your persistence in getting on because I think you have a lot of elements here, Uh, not only with getting sick, a lot of people need to come home early for physical illness reasons, but also the fact that you did serve for such a short time, and that's not actually too uncommon. But it can feel very uncommon and it can add an extra burden like, wow, I only made it for, you know, just not even a month. You know, there's a lot of people that struggle with that. I'm going to have you go ahead and jump into your story. Uh, as always, you can start wherever you would like. Uh, most people start with why they decided to serve a mission. But I guess just feel free to tell us your story and I'll follow along and ask questions. Okay, great. So I decided to serve a mission um, in a way that I think a lot of people probably do. I kind of didn't know what to do, and a lot of my friends were going on missions. I loved the gospel. I loved the church. I had always kind of thought I should serve a mission, but shoved it to the back of my mind um, because I think I was scared. It's a scary thing, and it's a big thing, and I knew that. I knew it wasn't all um, sunshine and rainbows. So I kind of ignored it. And then eventually I was going into a fall semester at BYU-Idaho in 2019 and something just didn't feel right. And so I started praying about a mission and I just kind of felt like I could do it for the first time in years. I thought I could do a mission. I can, I'm capable and God's going to help me and I can definitely do that. So I just decided to do it and I felt like God had my back and I was going to be able to make it through and and serve a good mission. So I, throughout the next semester, I did my mission papers and submitted them. And then on New Year's Eve, 
I got a mission call to Tacoma, Washington, and I was super excited because, like you mentioned, I love trees and the outdoors, and that mission is full of trees, and it's very, very green. And so I thought, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And then end of February of 2020, I went into the MTC, um, and COVID was just kind of a scary thing on the news at that point. It wasn't something we took super seriously in the States yet. We got to the NTC and I was there for three weeks and <clears throat> I felt okay about it. I, I liked it. I still, I felt like I was exactly where I was supposed to be. And during that time, we would hear little things about COVID and that it was getting more serious. And by the end of the three weeks, it we knew it was pretty serious. People were getting reassigned pretty quickly and they were kind of funneling people out of the MTC. And I didn't really know what was going to happen, but I flew to my mission. I flew into Seattle. And this was before masks and social distancing, really. We just kind of were going for it. And I got there. I got to my mission on a Tuesday. And by Friday, I felt really sick. And I've had, it's important to know, I've had pneumonia several times in the past and have struggled with my lungs since then, um, since high school for many years. Every time I get a cold, it, it hits my lungs really hard. And I didn't know exactly what I had, but I knew I was really sick and I could feel it in my lungs. I knew that feeling and I felt it. It hit me on a Friday and I kind of ignored it a little bit and then eventually told my companion and then eventually told the mission nurse who told the mission president. And then by Saturday night, Sunday morning, I could just feel it in my bones and in my soul and in my lungs that I had to go home. I was really sick and I didn't know anything about COVID. I didn't really know what would happen if I didn't have COVID and I got it on top of what I already, what I already had. But I kind of spent that Sunday praying about it and thinking about it. And by the end of the day, I knew I had to go. And so on Monday, I called my family and pretty much just told them I was leaving. And then I called my mission president and told him the same thing. So he didn't force me to go home. And that took me a long time to admit that it, that it was my decision. But I explained just how I felt physically and spiritually. And he said he understood. And the following day on Tuesday, a week from when I got to my mission, my dad drove and picked me up and I went home and quarantined for two weeks and then that was it. And I have been home ever since. <laughs> okay. That is such a whirlwind of a story. Yeah. And kind of a scary one too, especially with COVID raging. It's like, whoa, mm -hmm. hold on. My lungs aren't feeling good, especially since COVID was, goodness, back then, how much was known about COVID? I think it was nothing. known that it <laughs> like affected the lungs, but nothing yeah. like, yeah. Out of curiosity, did your mission end up getting sent home? anyways or reassigned because Tacoma, I mean, that's right next to Seattle. Yeah. So, and that was a hot spot at the time at the beginning of COVID. I remember hearing that Seattle and Washington were um, pretty, hit pretty bad with COVID, but people stayed. Um, they sent home pretty much anyone with asthma, anyone with pre-existing lung conditions, they sent them home. So I remember the day I went home, which was just at the beginning of COVID, they were sending home 25 missionaries within that week. Okay. Being that you got sent home during COVID, did you feel 
more shame or less shame? Or do you think the same amount of shame that missionaries tend to feel upon going home early? I'm going to say the same amount. I, in my head, knew I should feel less shame because it was happening to so many people. I think the fact that really it was my decision to come home and I wasn't being forced really, really weighed on me because then there was the risk that it was the wrong decision or that God was disappointed in me. So I think I I felt like, oh, so many people got sent home. It's not a big deal. It's okay. But inside, there was a lot of shame still. Sure. There's a lot. People often say they would rather be sent home than have to make the choice to go home. And because choosing to go home at the moment, it's like, wait, no, good missionaries. There's this perception that good missionaries don't choose that. You know, there's a psychological effect to that too, where it hits our self-esteem. Like if only bad missionaries choose to go home, then that Mm -hmm. means I'm, you know, we get these false ideas. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, it's real much easier just to blame the mission president or whatever. And sometimes that is indeed the case. But in this mm-hmm. case, yeah, I had the same thing. I I chose to go home as well mm-hmm. for physical health reasons. And it was, it's kind of one of those things that you don't want to accept, but then you do. So jumping yeah. ahead in your story, how did you eventually come to just accept that, no, I made this call? So it took me roughly a year, a year and a half. And I really like, I, I would just tell people that I got sent home. It was never, I, I could not own it. Um, part of it, honestly, was reading your book. I remember reading a line that where or you, where you just said to own it <laughs> and that like, just own whatever your experience was, that's what it was. And I think I just realized that if I wanted to not feel so much shame, I had to be okay with what actually happened. And I had to tell people that. So when people ask me still to this day, when people ask me if I served a mission, I don't say yes or no, because neither of those feel true to me. And I think whatever feels true to you as the earlier return missionary, then, then say that. But neither of those felt good to me. And so I would have to say exactly what happened. I would say, oh, I served in Tacoma, Washington for one week at the beginning of COVID. I got sick and came home. Just a quick, not, you know, not jumping in, but I think just like telling people over and over again, not just saying, yes, I served a mission or no, I didn't serve a mission because both of those things just made the shame pile up. So telling people exactly what happened helped me come to terms with it and helped me own it and realize that I was okay. I really appreciate you sharing that. And yes, that is definitely my advice to everyone. Own your experience, the good and the bad and Mm -hmm. the... I don't know what happened and I don't yeah. know what happened and I, I'm still trying to make sense of it and I might never make sense of it. Just just right. own it. Exactly. I'm glad that brought you peace, owning it. And then I also appreciate you sh- sharing how you explain your mission to people because people who come home early from the MTC or come home after just mm. serving less than a month or even just a couple months, they're like, did I serve a mission? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, what do, what do I say? Like, yes, I went on one, but did I actually serve one. And so sometimes they say no. Mm -hmm. Other times they say yes. I like that you are like, yes, but it's not what you think. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's brought you peace. You're like, this is my truth. Mm -hmm. This is, this was my experience. Definitely. All right. So you, uh, you felt like you were exactly where you needed to be. Do you Mm -hmm. still feel that that is exactly where you needed to be at that time in your life? Yes. (laughs) And I say that with a caveat that 
I'm so grateful I went and I'm so grateful I came home and it was so hard. I wouldn't want to do that again. (laughs) And for a long time, and I still have, have bits of it for sure, but for a long time I was scared to do something that I felt like God wanted me to do because I was afraid it would hurt me the way that that did. And that was really, really hard for me. The idea of trusting God or just saying like, I'm going to do this because God told me to do it. That freaked me out for two and a half years (laughs) Um, until very recently. So yeah, I think I was absolutely supposed to be there and do the things I was supposed to do. And I also think I was absolutely supposed to come home and do the things I was supposed to do after that. And I'm glad I did, but I, I don't want to just say that it, it was all perfect and, and worked out perfectly. It was, it was hard, and that was a very real hardship. Yeah, tell me more about coming home. So I think I really felt, I mentioned this before, that I really felt when I went on my mission like God was going to take care of me and it was all going to be okay. And that I was just going to have it. And I and I thought about every trial that I could face and I thought, I'm going to handle it. And the only thing I didn't think about was coming home early because I just didn't think that was going to happen. And I was always someone who was solid and confident and trusted God. And I came home and it felt like that had just been stripped away from me. It just kind of freaked me out. It, it made me scared to live life because of how much it hurt and the shame that I felt that I had never felt before in my life. So I don't know. I I sat in that for a year. And I think after the year, year and a half mark was when it kind of started to feel better. And then I went to therapy and then it really started to feel better. But that was it, I guess. That's It just kind of knocked me down and knocked the wind out of me. And I, I sat in that for a long, long time. Did it challenge your testimony at all? Yes. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I meet a lot of people, you know, I, I talked to a lot of other early return missionaries who just never questioned. And I think that's wonderful. And that is a gift. And I did not have that gift. <laughs> um, I, for a while, I came home and, and for f- four or five months, I was reading my scriptures. I was trying to serve. I was praying all the time, doing all these things, trying to, you know, kind of get back on the horse and and do all the things that I have been told my entire life would make me happy. And I was so unhappy and that didn't make sense to me. And the only thing I felt like I could attribute that to was me. I was sure that I had made a mistake by coming home and God was mad at me, I guess. And there was nothing I could do to fix that. And now I was in this place. So that was really hard for me to come to terms with the fact that praying and reading my scriptures wasn't just taking this away and it wasn't just making me feel better. I think something important to note is that I was never very honest with God about how I was actually feeling. I never said, I feel like you are disappointed in me. I feel like a failure and I don't know what to do. My prayers were very, my prayers looked like what I thought they should look like, grateful and humble. (laughs) And I wasn't honest. But so that took me, again, the better part of a year and a half, and it's something I still struggle with, to try to understand the role of those things, of the primary answers of reading your scriptures and praying and going to the temple, trying to understand the role of those things and how they're actually supposed to make me happy. 
Right, how they actually function in our lives instead right. of just going through the motions and being like, why am I not getting blessed? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> why is this not working? Why am I um, sad I, if I'm doing all the right things? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Why am I so sad? And, you know, sometimes I don't know that it always is us, you know? Sometimes mm-hmm. I think it's just the way life is meant to work. There's a lot of thinking in the world today, in the church and, and outside mm-hmm. of it, that life is supposed to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And if something's making you uncomfortable, you need to eliminate it from your life. And I think sometimes faith isn't comfortable. Actually, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times faith isn't comfortable. I think when things don't go as we expect them to, especially when we're doing something so good and we're on the Lord's errand, and then we say, why didn't he protect me from this? Mm -hmm. Why am I suffering? as a result of doing something for him i think i think it's very understandable why it challenges testimonies but i also think it's understandable why that why that line of thinking would bring shame and feelings mm-hmm. of failure cuz god is perfect and i'm not so obviously the problem is with me instead mm-hmm. of seeing like there might be a grander plan here yeah and kind of just accepting that maybe that's all i was meant to do and I don't know why, or sometimes you do know why, but play devil's advocate, and I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I don't need to wallow in this. That being said, feel your feelings for sure. Right. But there's a there's a comes a point where it's like I feel it, but it's progressing, it's helping you move forward through the grief. And there's another where it just kind of makes you feel bitter and angry. Yeah. And and it's okay to feel angry at God, you know, like he didn't protect you like you thought he would. I think um, also yeah. he can handle it. <laughs> I think yeah, he's he probably experienced worse things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he has. For sure he has. And yeah, he can handle it. And you know when someone's mad at you and they just won't talk to you? Mm-hmm. That's the worst. Like you'd rather they just yeah. yell at you and get it over with. Mm-hmm. I think that's the same Definitely. with God. So yes, so you had all these feelings, your testimony was challenged, but then you you did work through it and it sounds like you improved your relationship with God, but you also mm-hmm. went to therapy. Can you tell me yep. about those two things? Yeah. So I think the improving my relationship with God came first a little bit. I mean, they went hand in hand, in hand but I realized after a year that the way I was trying to deal with this wasn't going to work anymore that I, you know, tried to shove it down, tried to just act like I felt fine about it and move on. You've mentioned this a couple times, the like not understanding why this happened. I felt that a lot. I was like, I don't understand A, why this happened, B, why I'm so upset about it. I don't. And my family and friends were very, very supportive, but none of them had come home early from a mission. So there's that level of lack of understanding for sure. And I think that is where God came in, where I realized I could no longer hide it. And I remember saying a prayer and just saying that I feel like the spirit kind of asked me if I was mad at God. And I thought, no, I'm mad at myself. God didn't do this. I did this. This is not his fault. And the spirit asked me again, are you mad at God? And then I thought, you know what? Yes. (laughs) And I told God and I told him I was bitter and angry. And I told him I was mad at him and I told him people I was mad at and I was mad at myself and I and all these things and after that I just felt a little bit lighter and I realized that everything I was carrying I 
just couldn't carry it on my own anymore and I didn't need to. And then I spent the next, that was about at the year mark of being home. And then I spent the next six months trying to work through it. And I went back to Rexburg for school and that was really, really hard. And I think anyone who's come home early from a mission and then gone to a BYU or a church school, it's brutal because that is what we talk about all the time is missions. And that was hard for me. And I felt really, really horrible about myself then and tried to stay honest with God and communicate with him about that. But I was feeling so bitter. And then I decided to go to therapy because I just didn't have the tools that I needed on my own to figure out how to deal with these feelings anymore. And I've always been very pro-therapy for other people. (laughs) And I think a lot of people are probably like this. If someone else wants to go to therapy, wonderful. I champion that. But for me, I was against it for a long time because I think it felt like if I couldn't solve this on my own, that will have been another thing that I failed at. But it had been a year and a half and I couldn't solve it on my own. So I thought, well, at the risk of failing at another thing, I'm going to (laughs) go. And it was the best decision I've ever made. And... It, I think that I, I may have healed eventually, but it would have taken a, a lot, lot longer had I not gone to therapy to just figure it out on my own. And the therapist you went to, was this therapist Latter-day Saint and so kind of understood or different? Yes. Were yeah. So he, okay. it, I went through the school, which I think all the BYUs offer free mm-hmm. counseling. So I went through the school. So he was a member of the church, but it worked out really well for me. He was really, really open to everything. And he, you know, if I had said, I think it's best for me to leave the church, he would have supported that. And that's not what I wanted, but he was really, really helpful. And he understood all the nuance that comes with coming home early from a mission. And he understood why that would be so challenging. That's great. And he was able to kind of help you reframe it, I'm assuming. And uh, Yeah. I think the first thing that came was kind of accepting that it had happened and that it was hard and trying not so hard to look for a silver lining and just kind of thinking this hard thing happened to me and that's why I'm struggling and starting there and then healing from that point. Okay. No, that's great. I definitely do recommend therapy to anyone who can afford it or has access to it. These are really difficult feelings. um, Mm -hmm. And often the brain just, we just don't know how to handle it. We don't have the tools. So we tend to spiral and make ourselves feel worse. So it's nice to be able to go to just someone who can understand. I know a lot of people who come on the podcast, they tend to go to Latter-day Saint therapists, which is great. But even if you don't have someone in your area specific to the church, it's, I think, still just a good idea. They can challenge assumptions you're making about yourself, and especially if they have open mind about religions. Some people struggle with therapy because not all therapists are good. Um, Let's just be honest. And sometimes people can make it worse. It sounds like you got lucky that your first Mm -hmm. therapist was a good therapist. I can attest and speak to those who um, have had bad experiences with therapists. I want to tell you that while my bad therapy experiences don't necessarily relate to my early homecoming, I want to tell you that your fears of going to therapy and have been re-traumatized because the therapist wasn't 
good or maybe not a good fit, your feelings are valid and it's okay to be scared. If you're not ready to go to therapy uh, for either that reason or another reason, try to find a friend or someone else who you can talk to openly and just reach out to. I recommend the app Marco Polo if you feel like you're just going to burden someone because then they can just watch it as they're able to, you know. You can just spam them if you need to. (laughs) Um, But also, I want to reassure you that there are good therapists out there. And when I, in my particular circumstance, reached out again to a therapist, it was good. But I understand it's hard to find the right one. But they are out there and they can be helpful. All righty. So, How often do you think about your mission now? Now that it's been a few years, you've moved forward with your degree and you're about to graduate. You're about to move on to the next step of of your life. Much less often than I used to. I think about it. That actually feels like a um, more complex question because I rarely really think about the mission itself, like the experiences I had. It was four weeks of my life and I really don't remember a lot. Every once in a while, I will like smell something or see something or read a journal entry and it'll, I'll think of a specific experience I had and it kind of shocks me because it almost doesn't feel real. But I think about the mission as a, as a concept a lot and also as a time in my life. Like when I talk about things in my life, I say, oh, that was before my mission or after my mission. So I think about it a lot that way. But as far as actually thinking about the experiences I had on the mission, not often. Not as often as I think about coming home and the experience I had after the mission. And I'm curious too, was going back out even an option for you with COVID happening once you got healthy again? Yeah. So I had been home for three or four months. And then my my state president reached out and he actually said, he was like, have you ever thought about a service mission, which I didn't want to do? Or there was like another option to serve in California close to my hometown or something like that. And I thought, well, I should probably think about it. Um, and then as I was talking to my state president about it, he said, he's like, actually, you can go back out. I just found out. And I kind of had a pit in my stomach and I thought about it and I seriously prayed about it. And I remember sobbing and (laughs) praying and talking to God and saying, I don't think I can do this. I don't want to go back, but if you need me to, I will. And I felt like that was genuine willingness, but I also felt like God wasn't going to be that harsh. So after praying and fasting about it, I felt like I could go back, but it wasn't the right option. Not because I hated my mission when I was there. I loved it a lot actually, but because I had all these problems now and I had all these trials that I was dealing with, like feelings about the church, feelings about God, feelings about myself. And I didn't think those were just going to go away if I decided to go back. And now in hindsight, I think I that was the right call. I do not think those things would have gone away. I think they would have gotten worse actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're struggling with your testimony and then you go on a mission, it's like the mission is so hard. You've got to just know yeah. that this church is true to right. be able to deal with all the things that and you I deal think with on a mission. When mm-hmm. you're struggling with your self worth too, to yes. go on a mission where you have to look outside yourself constantly and you're not you're not really supposed to 
spend time, you know, like self-care or like trying to figure that out, that it just would have been harder. That is so true. Yes, that's a great point. Okay, yeah. And and it's interesting that you say that you would have struggled, you think, with self-worth had you gone back out because a lot of people think that if I go back out, I will feel better about myself mm-hmm. because then I can go complete my mission. But you recognized that you weren't going to be able to have the self-care that you needed if you were to go back out on a mission. Yeah, I, you know, I had been on a mission. I went to the NTC. I I heard all the talks and read all the things that talked about looking outside yourself. And I thought, I am not in a place to look outside myself, actually. I have tried and I can't do it yet. So I can't do that. So I was pretty aware, I think, that that wasn't going to make it better. Yes, that's incredible awareness. Good job. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, So let's see. Everyone, it sounds like like you had a lot of support upon Mm -hmm. coming home. What has the reaction been when you tell people now that you're at BYU-Idaho that you only served for a week? More often than not, I think I haven't been met with any intentional rudeness or anything like that. Uh, if anything, people just don't really know what to say. Usually I get something along the lines of like, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> and and that's pretty much it. And then we move on. Rarely do they ask more questions. I And now, you know, I a year and a half ago, I was thrilled that people weren't asking more questions. Now I would be totally happy to talk about it more. But that's usually about all I get is they say, oh, that's a bummer. And it's kind of funny to me because when they say that, I think you really, you have no idea how much of a bummer it was. (laughs) It was really, yeah, it was, it changed my entire life. But yeah, something along those lines, or one time I got a leader, a church leader said, well, at least you tried. And that one I didn't love, (laughs) but, um, but again, like all these things, sometimes people say things that are a little weird and I think it always comes from, they just don't know what to say. And I think that's okay. And it's also kind of an opportunity for me to maybe like explain it just a little bit and explain what kind of experiences this was for me. Is there anything you would prefer people say? Um, Does congrats feel forced or weird um, (laughs) or like, thank you for serving? Is that okay? I guess people listening in might be like, well, what do I say to someone or what should I say or is that's a bummer. Okay. You know, (laughs) I actually don't mind. That's a bummer. Um, but I, that's, and it's a hard one. And I think as far as like on the early return missionary side, on my side, I think we have to be kind and patient. And when people say things that are a little weird or like a little off, it's just work with them. (laughs) It's okay. And they're doing their best and trying to be nice. But I, a lot of people have told me like told me that my service was valid or that like I did serve a mission and that I should feel that way. And I do think as a good rule of thumb just in life, it's never ideal to tell someone how they should feel. So avoid that and I think ask a question instead. And if they don't want to answer then then that's the end of it. But I think saying like, "Oh, that's a bummer. I'm sorry. How did you feel about that?" or tell me about that experience or something along those lines, I think is always a better option because it kind of puts the ball in the earlier turn missionaries court and isn't just throwing the ball at them. (laughs) Sure. I I think that's good advice right there. 
because your comment that people often say that's a bummer and you know that's okay with you because yeah it Mm -hmm. is a bummer to come home early do they ever ask about your experiences that you had on a mission that perhaps were good experiences or do they just kind of assume it was all negative yeah so i think people actually more often probably assume it was all positive and that i loved the whole mission and, and i came home and and that's why i was so sad was that I loved it so much. And and that's probably partially true. But I actually, and I think this is where the uniqueness of how short my service was. When I really don't, when people ask me to talk about the good parts of my mission, I really have nothing to say. And it's not that I have, that it was all negative. I did love it. It just was four weeks of my life three years ago. And I don't remember. (laughs) And I remember, you know, it was also, it was a trauma. It was traumatic. So I remember coming home and I remember those experiences, but as far as everything else, I just, it, it was four weeks of my life three years ago. So I think that when people want me to really dive into my mission itself, that never feels like I'm owning it very much because I really didn't have very much of a mission and I'm okay with that. Okay. I love that. Yeah, it sounds like you are at peace with what happened and also just where you're at in life now. Is that the case? Yeah, very much so. And of course, there's there's moments, but I think now post-therapy and several years out, I rarely feel really upset about it. And if anything, I feel more grateful than than upset. I think that's awesome. Let's see. I think I'm out of questions for you. So is there anything else about your experience that you would like to share, perhaps for somebody who's coming home for similar reasons, whether it be physical health, a short time on the mission, or or trying to decide whether or not to go back out? Hmm. I think that really the best advice is advice that you've given. Own it, whatever experience it was, if you served for a day or for a month or for 17 months, own it. It's yours and all of it, the service and the coming home. And there, and this is probably a direct quote from you, there is more to life than missions. And I think as far as, you know, being on a mission and being struggling with mental health or physical health or whatever, your life is not going to end if you come home. There is a lot of opportunity to do good in the world. God is not throwing you away if you come home from your mission. And that's not a sin. And we don't need to carry the shame around like that. But I think that's the most important thing, that there's there's more to life. And it's hard, but you just got to keep going and you'll get there. Oh, very well said. And yes, I just want to tack on... <laughs> Our culture likes to say the best two years, or at least they used to say Mm -hmm. that. I don't know if that's still said anymore, but (laughs) there's kind of still that stigma, or not stigma, that uh, expectation, best two years. Uh, You could meet so many missionaries who did serve the expected two years, 18 months, and they're like, no, yeah, no, that wasn't my best two years. Like, there is so much more to life than just a mission. A mission is important. And our missions were important, even though they were shorter than expected. They shaped our lives. I mean, yeah, I mean, look at at what I'm doing with my podcast and my book. And then Mm -hmm. look what you're doing too. And just coming on here and sharing your story and helping others, like just see how God is going to use this to further your life. But don't think it's the most important part of your life. 
there's yeah. so much more to come. So, well said, Haley. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for being on the show, Haley. And to those listening, I hope you found this podcast to be, or this episode to be instructive and helpful. And thank you for being with us. That concludes this interview on early homecoming. If you would like to go deeper into the experiences of early returned missionaries, please consider buying my book, Early Homecoming. You can find it in paperbook, ebook, or audiobook formats on Amazon. If you would like to contact me, please come find me on Instagram at author underscore Kristen Reber or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Kristen Reber. That's K-R-I-S-T-E-N-R-E-B-E-R.